Hello everyone and welcome to Limerick Treaty Suicide Prevention's Life is for Living podcast. Today in this episode I'm joined by Jackie Fox and to say that this lady is one of the most incredible people I've ever spoken to is an understatement. Jackie's strength and her determination is something that everyone should be admired by. She unfortunately lost her daughter to suicide but explains to us why her daughter felt that there was no other way out due to her physical and verbal torture. There is no other word for it as Jackie describes in this episode. It's a very emotional episode. I will let you aware of that, but I will let everyone understand that this episode shows the strength and the determination that Jackie has to not let her daughter's legacy go. As a result, she set up Coco's Law, which is something that the world can benefit from but also Ireland in itself can really benefit from because Coco's law is just, we'll let Jackie explain it, but it's just something that is really needed right now in Ireland. Thanks for listening and let us know how you feel after you've listened to this episode. Let us know by contacting us on our Instagram, our Facebook pages, but also after listening to this episode, if you'd like to reach out to a professional, in the description of this podcast, you will see many fantastic numbers, including our 24-hour helpline. So please do not be afraid to reach out. And also remember, it's okay not to be okay and you're not alone. Thanks for listening. Fox and um, I'm just going to tell you a story about my daughter, Nicole. Nicole, um, took her own life at the age of 21 due to physical bullying and online bullying. Um, so yeah. I'll tell you a bit about tell, Nicole, who tell, she was. Yeah. First. Tell us about her and kind of her life so our listeners can kind of get an insight into her. Because as I mentioned, I've previously listened to your story and followed your story. I feel like I, I know Nicole from, from listening, but <laughs> I think that listeners yeah. need to understand how happy go lucky this girl was and how you mentioned previously like she had no mental health illness or anything like that so it's it's mm. important that people understand how, how she yeah. was and who she was yeah um okay Nicole I have two boys but Nicole was my only my only little girl Um, she as she was growing up she was um she was so funny she had a great um personality great character she was bubbly she was lively she she had so many friends growing up she was very popular you know and um she was uh, don't get me wrong she was an angel <laughs> she was cheeky as well and um many times i ran up the stairs after her you know and she'd still have to get the last word in you know girls um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, and even now I'd love to be chasing her up I the know. stairs, listening to her getting the last words in, you know. But um, yeah, she was just, you know, she was just your your average ordinary. Um, uh, she she made me so proud, and she, you know, she wasn't only my daughter; she was my best friend growing up. She was a, a proper mammy's girl, and um, growing up, we did everything together. Um, we had a, a mobile home down in Courtown in Wexford and um, every, you know, while she was in school, every, all through the summer or bank holidays, midterm, we'd go down to Wexford, um, Nicole and the boys, and um, always spend, she she would have the same friends in Wexford as well because they'd all come down in the summer or midterm or bank holiday, you know. So she had um, she had a large group of, of friends in Wexford. Um, 
we used to spend hours on the beach and we'd go crab fishing and they learned they they learned how to jump off the pier into the sea with their armbands but as as the I years went on. Yeah, oh well that was with their armbands, but after after the years went on they they started to jump in without their armbands oh and yeah, my nerves used to be gone, you know. But um no fear, you know, they they had a ball. we did everything outdoors and there's a forest um, down the road um, in Wexford as well. And we'd always go to the forest at, say, one or two in the morning and it'd be black dark. And oh we'd only have, have a torch and a stick and we'd never stay on the trail. So we'd always go off the trail and purposely get lost in the forest, you know. And the only way we'd, we'd get out of the forest is we'd have to listen to the sound of the sea. And once we knew, once we could hear the sea, we'd follow the sound and that would lead us back onto the beach and, you know, we'd walk down the sea back to the car, you know. But um, Nicole used to always say, like, man, we're lost, aren't we? <laughs> I don't, I'd say to her, yeah. But um, the others would be panicking and they say, do you know where we are? And i go, yeah, of course I do, but wouldn't have a clue. Now, there'd be a couple of adults and a load of kids, but uh, we never lost anyone in the forest. Anyway, we always got out. But uh, it was a real adventure for them, you know, and we... We'd always went to the farms down there. Everything was outdoors, you know. But she had, um, when we were on the mobile site, like she would have a lot of friends there. And and sometimes, you know, at the start when they were younger, we'd say, you're not allowed to pass the pillars. Yeah. You know, and as they got older, you know, they inched their way up. And, and sometimes they'd say, oh, we're just going to the shops. But, you know, I'd say to a friend, they're ages up at the, the shops and we go up and have a look. Should he, wouldn't they be down in Courtown at the amusements and stuff? And, you know, she was a, they were little, they were, they were devils, but, they were you know, they were kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah kids. They were. Um, at that time, Nicole never suffered with mental health issues. She she never suffered with anxiety. Um, you know, everything was, everything was great. Everything was fine. Um, we'd no worries. Um, life was great. So, um, so what happened then? Okay, so when Nicole turned 18, she was dying to go to our first nightclub and couldn't wait, you know. And um, so what happened was she had um, a friend. He he was a boy and he was our best friend. And he actually came down to Courtown with us loads of times, you know, and they used to go to the pictures together. Now, they were only they were only friends and they trusted each other with everything that later on I'll tell you that went wrong he he even turned against her for another girl do you know what I mean um yeah so uh, her best friend Nicole and her best friend would go down to a nightclub in Dublin and um everything was fine at the start they had great fun and Nicole always loved to just dance and sing and um, I always say in the talks and um, she hadn't got a note in her head for singing she had, she was actually the the worst horrendous singer you could ever hear and even driving down to Wexford when we drive down to Wexford she'd have her earphones in where I could hear her singing but she, but she could hear the song and she, you know she would think she's Beyonce or oh. something you know singing away horrendous I thought I'd never get down and get out of the car because oh she was just shocking but um it didn't stop her she loved to sing and dance and so yeah everything was fine in the nightclub um everything was going great she had great fun but where it went wrong was then it started off with two girls in particular and one of these girls liked Nicole's friend and the only way she could get closer to this friend was to make friends with Nicole and that's what they did so 
everything was fine for a little while. And then when the girl realized that this boy didn't want anything to do or he didn't want to go out with her, you know, he didn't want to be with her. Um, she didn't like that at all. That's when things uh, started to turn nasty. Little things at the start, you know, it wasn't too concerning, but, you yeah. know, just um, jealousy things, you know. And um, as I said, it started off with two girls. Now, one of them has since moved to England. And she has admitted since then that what I'm about to tell you was just pure, true, pure jealousy. Just because she couldn't get that boy. And Nicole was still popular and still funny. Yeah. And she always had these one-liners, you know. She was just, she was very quick with answers, you know, funny answers. And um, she just, she didn't, this this main girl didn't like the rejection of, of being torn down. So she took it out on Nicole. So when the other girl moved to England, the main girl that, that started it, she couldn't, she was a coward. She couldn't bully Nicole on her own. So she had to form form a, a bigger group. And that's what she did. It started off with one or two or three. And at, towards the end of it, it, it would have been up to about, it could have been 20 people against Nicole. But there was actually six main people that just never stopped. They just against one kept person. at it against Nicole and Nicole was five foot I mean she was only she was only tiny you know and she was she wasn't a fighter I didn't bring her up to fight I didn't bring her up to bully she was respectful um and even even before the nightclub even in school she was great in school she got um 10 honors and a pass in her in her um exams she wanted to be an accountant she she was a wizard at maths <laughs> absolutely brilliant and she was she loved algebra now who loves algebra? No. <laughs> I don't know. But she did. Loved maths and she always wanted to travel, but unfortunately she never got to, to do any of that. She never got to travel. She never got to to, to be who she wanted to be. Um so this main girl had her, her little crew together, if you like, and um from the, the, the little nasty things that they were, that they were doing um start to get bigger and bigger. And Nicole would go out to the smoking area with her friends. Um, in the nightclub and um, these people, some of them would stand beside her and they'd actually stick a, a, a cigarette into her arm or into her leg and go, oh, sorry, that was an accident. I didn't mean oh that, God. you know. And then, uh, then one of them threw a cigarette on her foot and stubbed it out onto her foot and go, oh, that was an accident. Now, an accident, okay, maybe once, yeah. maybe twice, but not, not, not constantly, um, you know. And as I said, Nicole loved to dance and sing, and she'd get on the dance floor, and no matter where she'd go on the dance floor, they would follow her, they'd stand beside her, and they'd pretend to dance where they'd give her um, a full-force elbow in the face and or in the chest or, or whatever, and they'd say, oh, are you okay? But sometimes they'd actually knock her down to the floor, you know, and oh, we didn't see you there, oh, you're so small. And But this happened loads of times, you know, so again, these weren't accidents, you know. There was a, a metal fight, flight of stairs in the nightclub and one of the girls got Nicole by the hair and literally bounced her down every metal step from top to bottom by the hair um, till, till, yeah, till she got to the end. Um, oh, my God. They... Uh, when Nicole was coming out of the bathroom one night, um, one of the girls pushed her so hard into the corner of the table that they actually dislocated her hip. Um, we were we had to we were ended up in the hospital that night, um, or they do silly things like Nicole would put our, our drink on the table and they'd swipe it off, and and go oh sorry you know that was an accident but constantly 
another accident. I mean, the, it, you know, no way, there's no way. They, but they constantly, and Nicole, and I'm not just saying it because she's my daughter, she's stunning going out. She was, oh, she was just beautiful. And she was so small and petite and she could wear any, any, any clothes she wanted, you know. And, mm. um, Jackie, she, she was would gorgeous. Get t- Nicole was beautiful. Uh, she, you know, uh, really, and she, she would get attention from, from boys, you know, and, and Nicole, mostly, she just wanted to sing and dance and have a good time. She wasn't, half the time she wasn't even interested, you know, and, <laughs> but she would get attention from boys, but these girls didn't like that either, you know, that she was getting the attention and they would go over to the boys and they, they'd call them over and, and they'd whisper stuff. You can imagine what they were whispering in his ear and then he'd go away from Nicole. So they were saying obviously nasty things that, that just weren't true, you know, um, yeah, so, and we there was a shop around the corner for us. It was only less than five minutes walk. And one day she she said, Mom, I'm just going to, to the shop. And I even going to the shop, I was worried about her, you know, because um, I was afraid she'd run into any of these people. Yeah. And one day she did. She ran into three of them and they bet her up. Uh, no reason. And this all started, as, as I told you at the beginning, from the okay. girl admitting it was just through jealousy. And that girl couldn't get the point and um yeah as I said Nicole was bubbly lively funny outgoing no mental health issues I could see things changing and with Nicole you know she she wasn't as smiling as much she was down and she started to lose her confidence and you know she'd she'd stay in more um, Mm. And she'd stay in her room a lot more, you know, and I'd say, come on, we go to, to Liffey Valley or we go to Bray or, you know, out just to get her, to, to get her out of her room, you know. But uh, I could see that that she wasn't being herself at all, you know. Um, she, on in May 2015, um, the physical abuse was getting, getting on top of Nicole so much that um, she took an overdose. Um, we spent four, just myself, Nicole, spent four nights in, in hospital. And on the fifth day, I remember the doctor going into her and saying, do you regret it? And Nicole said, yes. And he says, well, that's good. And she goes, no, I regret it. It didn't work. And, um, you know. That must the, have been so the, hard for the, you to hear, Jackie. Do you know, the fear, the yeah. fear that comes over you, the, the, the worry known. And and the doctor wouldn't have known Nicole, but I I could already see Nicole Nicole's um, personality changing, you know, and mm. I could all, all at this point I could see her sinking into herself, and to hear your daughter saying that it, it's just Cruel. just the fear that takes over takes over is just so I was watching Nicole more, you know, and when she came out of um, the hospital, she was sent to camps. And the main, she was sobbing, she was sobbing in cans mm. and she was saying about the abuse and how she was feeling. And, and the, the, the main guy that was interviewing her in cans said that um, it's all part of life. Um, you know, it's just a phase you're going through. Um, I'm sorry, but it's not that's a phase not you're going phase. through. A phase, that's, that's not a part of life, being physically abused like that by, by jealous people. That is not a part of life. It's not a phase anyone should have to go through. And... Um, God, that's, and he said, that's yeah, horrible. It just, that's horrible. It, 
yeah he just dismissed her you know so I, I i didn't i didn't bring her back there because um what was the point you know and i tried to build her up myself um nicole she used to love mcdonald's um she <laughs> did, she needed every day um and and she sometimes she'd mess in her room and she'd call me jackers and she'd text <laughs> from her room on her phone and she'd go yuck jackers are we going to mackers and i'd go i i text back i i'd say no you can't keep eating that crap you know and, but you know what half an hour later we'd be sitting in mcdonald's later, it, yeah. you know and um but uh i could really see her i could see it's such a change in her and um, these people weren't happy with just the, the physical abuse. And I'll tell you why as well, because as as I said to you, Nicole never suffered with anxiety or anything. Mm. But when um she when she started to go, she'd just go out once a week then with her friends and um she'd go upstairs and she'd get dressed and she she'd have a beautiful dress on and her makeup on. But then I'd hear her thrown up in the bathroom and I'd go up and I'd be holding her hair and I'd say, Nicole, would you just not stay in? Yeah. You know, just stay in with me, you know? Um, that's, sorry. No, um, that's honestly, it's, I don't know how you went through all that. Mm-hmm. Like, how mm-hmm. did you cope in general? Like, like you were you building your own daughter up as long, as well as two yeah. other kids, like constant yeah. fear for your daughter. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it was a constant fear. It was a constant worry, you know? And I'd say to her, would you not just stay in? And she yeah. go, mom, why should I have to stay in? I should be able to go out and have a few drinks and I'm not going to let these people get the better of me. I'm not going to let them win. Sorry, that's what she said. And and she she was right. You know, she should have been able to go right. in. Yeah. So after throwing up and all, she'd come down the stairs and she'd stand at the door or whatever and she'd go, Mam, take a picture of me. And in that photo, she'd have a huge, big smile on her face. And, and to look at her, you think everything was fine. You know, you think that... She hadn't got a care in the world, you know, and she had that that fake mask Just that to she make would you go happy. out and pretending, yeah, pretending that she was okay. And little did I know that the, that she was thrown up like mm. a half an hour before, you know, in the bathroom, you know. And they um they made a fake um a fake page on Facebook called Sersha where they said they they were going to beat her up so badly and leave her on life support machine, um. But as I said, Nicole used to go out and still dance and still have that smile on her face. But um, they they thought they weren't getting to her, so they 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 went online, and online they uh, every whether it was on Snapchat or WhatsApp or you know anonymous groups, it doesn't matter. Uh, different different apps uh, on on one of them on the WhatsApp group, they all joined in and. You know, they were slagging her. No, Nicole obviously wasn't on this mm. group, but our friend got into it. But by then they had shared um shared loads of stuff around. They had actually put a video up of a girl with a blurred face, some random girl, don't know who she was, um, and this girl was with three men. But because she had a blurred face out, they said it was Nicole. And they shared that all around, oh all around the place, you know. And it was it was actually Nicole was so naive. She wasn't streetwise. Um, I didn't bring her up to hang around the streets and and you know stuff like that. She was, she was very protected, uh, if you like, you know, as I talk. Um, 
And they said uh, this this video that they put up was supposed to be at uh, Clondalkin railway station. Now I lived in Clondalkin, and it was only a few minutes down the road. And Nicole said, "Ma'am, look what they're at the putting up," in, and they said that's in Clondalkin uh, railway station. And Nicole said, "Ma'am, I didn't even know there was a railway station in Clondalkin <laughs> because she wasn't she wasn't a street wanderer. Do you know what I mean? She wasn't she didn't even know there was a railway station there. You know so." But these people, yeah, they, they they shared it around. And by the time when Nicole seen all this show, everything was shared around, you know, saying she had this and she did that and this is her and and that 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 was bringing her down more. But on the likes of Snapchat and stuff and all every day, nearly every day, every day they'd say something, but a lot of the things they'd say was um, go hang yourself. Oh my um, God. That everyone hates you, you'd be better off dead, and no one wants you here. And they sent her videos of a noose on how to hang herself. Um, they'd say, drink bleach and slit your wrist. You'd be doing everyone a favour if you weren't here. And, you know, this kid, that, the physical abuse was bad enough, but this was going mentally then into her head, you know, and, and bringing her down so much um, constantly. Mm. Um, one day I walked into Nicole's bedroom and she had pyjama shorts on and, she had gotten her nails and dug them so deep into her legs and so deep into her belly till she till she bled. And another time, uh, every night, I'd either be in Nicole's room with her or she'd be sitting on the end of my bed and we'd be talking. But every single night, she'd always go, um, night, ma'am, I love you. And I'd always say, night, Cocoa Pops. I used to call her Cocoa Pops. I'd say, night, Cocoa Pops, I love you. And this was every night, you know, but when she'd go into her room, then I'd always hear her crying and crying herself to sleep. And then she'd wake up the next morning feeling just as sad as she did the night before. But one one day I walked into her room and she goes, Mum, I can't do this anymore. How could she, though? How could she fit deal with yeah. all that crap and shit from all yeah. these people? Mm. Like, how could she physically yeah. think that that was okay? You know, I know yeah. it's hard to it's hard to make sense when you're in that state of mind. I honestly don't know how fair play to her for being so brave to put up with that for so many years. It's cruel. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why she did because she said, "Mama, I I I can't do this anymore." And the only reason why I can't kill myself is because I don't want to leave you heartbroken. And that's the type of person Cole was. Mm. She wasn't thinking of herself. She knew. She she knew what this would do to me if she if she did take her life and she was thinking of me and do you know what she held on for another two years with the same physical and mental torture because she didn't want to leave me heartbroken so she she tried so hard to hold on but um more devastates um to this very second of talking to you you know it's what. You know, just absolutely devastated that that she's not here. Um, but you know, she did try. This this abuse was going on for four years, um, and she tried so hard to to fight it off. And but today, um, on the if I take you back near nearer to the time, then on her her last Christmas in December, I didn't know it was her last Christmas. God. And. That day, in uh, every Christmas, um, all our family would gather in my mum's house, and 
um, all the aunties and uncles and cousins, we'd all be in our mums, my mums, and I didn't realise uh, that 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 last Christmas, Nicole had taken. There'll be no co- photographs mm-hmm. taken at Christmas only for Nicole. She used to be the one that would take all the photos, you There's know. Always one. <laughs> and, and yeah, she loved she she loved the selfies, and she'd even say to me, "Ma'am, get into a selfie with me." And I would, and I'd say, oh, don't put that up, that's awful. She goes, I'm a, I'd say, I'm awful at that. She goes, I know, but I'm not. And she'd put her, she'd put her up anyway, you know. And i go on a go the state of that, you know. But uh, she would take all the photographs then at Christmas time. But that last Christmas, um, I didn't realise at the time, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, that last Christmas, sorry, that last Christmas, um, Nicole took individual pictures of her with our nanny and her with our granddad who she idolised and he he idolised her, you know, and then she took individual pictures with each cousin and each auntie and mm. stuff. But I didn't realise it at the time. And the reason why I didn't realise it was because um, in the in the January, things started to change around, which I thought for Nicole, she started to go to a different nightclub, even though before she'd go to a different nightclub, these people would know, you know, with Snapchat and WhatsApp, everyone knows where you are. Yeah. And these would follow her to a different nightclub. But in this, in her last January, um, she started to go out with my niece and her friends. Now she knew all my niece's friends and she, she would go out and um, in the other nightclub, she, she'd only probably last an hour or, an hour or two hours and she'd say, quick man, quick, come and get me. She was afraid for her life, you know, and I used to never go to bed when, when she'd go out. I just, and I just, no, I, I just hop into the car and fly down to get her. But um, in, in January there, she went to this different nightclub and she didn't ring me. And I'm like, oh God. So I'm ringing her and I'm not getting any answer at all. And I'm, I'm panicking, like, why isn't she ringing me? Like, but she rang me at half three when the nightclub was over and she got into the car and she she had the best night ever. She got in, she was laughing, she was smiling. And she and to see that was just, I was like, wow. things are going to get better, you know. And, and I, I thought things were going to change and she, she had a great night. But the last night um, she went out uh, was... Uh, what's what's after christmas uh new year's Year's eve and she had a brilliant night and my brother and my sister-in-law and had gone to the country for new year's so of course with my niece there's an empty house free free gas if you like so everyone went back to my brother's house and they had a party but nicole was taking the videos and stuff and i can hear her laughing on the videos and stuff and she was having a ball and I collected her the next morning and she was saying how great it was. And I, I thought things were getting better. Were taught, yeah, you know, but and that's that's my huge guilt. That I can't walk around, I can't get around it because I let my guard down. You did. I dropped. You I did. Um, you know, I watched her so for for four years and I kept denying her and I tried to protect her so much and you know I feel that if I didn't drop my guard I thought if I didn't drop my guard that time that you know maybe I would have seen something you know and Mm. things just you know there's always a load of what ifs and should have and could have and would have you know I knew if things 
didn't change that Nicole wouldn't have been here much yeah. longer. I knew she, I didn't, I don't think she had a day or, or how or when, but I think if things got on top of her again, I I don't, she knew herself she wouldn't be here. Um, and that's why I do always think about the individual pictures that she took at Christmas as well, you know, and, but everything seemed fine everything she was happy and stuff so I did I, you know and I was I was delighted for her you know so um on the 17th of January uh, Nicole was preparing to go out again for the Saturday and um on the 17th of January we went over to the shopping centre she wanted to buy new clothes to go out on the Saturday so that was a, a Wednesday we went shopping she bought this beautiful little little red dress and I still have it in the wardrobe there with the tags still on it because she never got to wear it. And um, yeah, we went shopping. And of course, at the end of shopping, we ended up in McDonald's as we did every <laughs> single time we'd go out. And we had McDonald's and I used to, I used to give it out to her. You know, silly now when you think, I'd love to give out to her now, you know. But she was so skinny and small and all. And I'd say, Nicole, you can't keep eating this McDonald's and, and she's like, but why? And I say, well, I can't keep eating it. I said, because I keep getting fatter. You know, I said, you're not, you're not getting, you're not putting on any weight, you know. I, said, I can't keep eating McDonald's every day with you, you know. <laughs> but uh, she just laughed at me, you know, but I'm serious. <laughs> um, so that was the Wednesday and on the Friday coming then, she had um, an appointment for her hair, uh, for her eyebrows to get done. And then was going out the Saturday so um on the 18th of January then um on the on the 17th the usual we'd have our chats and and um, she'd go night ma'am I love you and I'd say night Coco Bob's I love you and I didn't hear her crying even you know I did mm. she she went to bed you know and the next morning I got up um I didn't see Nicole which isn't unusual anyway because my dad has Alzheimer's and I used to go down every Thursday and mind my dad while my mum went shopping so it just seemed normal, normal you know and um I was rushing home anyway and um at 20 past three I left the house with my two sons one I was um with, with my son I, I was dropping him to work and then I went on around to collect my other son Lee who was 14 at the time and collected him from school and you know actually I I never, I always make a dinner, but because Lee had football training that uh, that evening, I said, will we go to the chipper? And that's another thing. Um, if I didn't go to the chipper, would we have made a home in time? Um, but, you know, you just think of these things then. You know, I know, I know now it wouldn't have made a difference, but you do kind of beat yourself up of course. With, with, with stuff like that that you know anyway we did go to the chipper and we got home at 20 past four so I've gone in an hour and I opened the hall door myself and Lee kind of walked in together and right in front of us was this uh, was the stepladder and Nicole had got taken the dog's lead and um, she had the boxer dog we still have them big dribbles everywhere and but she had locked the box out. It was her dog. Uh, she had locked Bruce up in the in the bedroom upstairs. So she had gotten the step ladder and 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 the dog's lead, and she had hung herself in the in the hallway. And when when we went in, I just it wasn't even a scream. It was just this roar from just 
bottom of my stomach. Yeah. Just, and I screamed, oh, day, go down. And I ran over to Nicole and I, I tried to, I stood on the stepladder and I was lifting her up to get the weight off her neck. And Leon hooked the dog's leads and I didn't even feel her coming down into my arms. And I lay her on the floor and I ran the ambulance and Lee ran out and got, I was getting help and I ran the ambulance and I put them on, on loudspeaker and I was doing CPR on her, but I said, I'm begging her not to go. And yeah. um, I was going to make it okay. And then begging her not to leave me. And and she was still warm. Heart, she still had a heartbeat. She wasn't, she hadn't died. And uh, when the ambulance came, they walked on her for what seemed like ages in the, in the kitchen. And, I was brought into the sitting room by the guards and I just said to them, can I just go out and hold her hand while she was in the kitchen? And I said, she needs me. Can I just hold her hand? And they said, no, um, that I couldn't. And, but when they got her into the ambulance um, and they were on the way down, I wasn't allowed in the ambulance with her either because they were working yeah. on her still. And myself and Lee were in the guard car behind and on the way down in the hospital, Nicole took a massive heart attack and and died. Her heart stopped. But do you remember that that brave girl that I told you that used to go out with that smile on her face and said they weren't going to win? And do you remember that 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 brave girl that that held on for me mm -hmm. because she didn't want to leave me heartbroken? Well, they got a heartbeat back. Oh my god! Again in the ambulance, yeah. But when we got to the hospital, um, they gave me about two seconds with her. And I just, I said to Nicole, you're going to be okay. Um, because she was still warm, just heartbeat was there. We were only gone an hour. And I believe, I, I did actually believe that she was going to be okay, you know, um, because I wanted her to be yeah. okay so much. And they brought her up to, to ICU and they put her on life support machine. And do you remember at the start where I told you these girls said you were going to leave her on life support machine? Yeah. Well, that's exactly what, what they, they got. And um, take your time. Um, I uh, I stayed with her, um, for for the whole every second in in intensive care. Um, this was the tourist day, and um, I yeah. Uh, Oh, I remember the doctor called myself and the boys into the room and, and Lee said, is she going to be okay? And the doctor said, no, she's going to die. He said that her organs are going to shut down and that she has got extensive brain damage. And that's where I know it's not my fault about going to the no, chipper. No. Um, because it would, but you know, the way you just, things just... It's grief. Go, yeah. Yeah, do you know? And um, he, So... I spent the time with her in, in, in the hospital. Um, my family and their friends were coming up and they weren't coming up to see her. They were coming up to say goodbye to her. Um, but I said to the doctor, well, how? Uh, we were only gone an hour. And I, I said, like, yeah, we weren't even gone that long, you know? And I was trying to tell him, like, she can't, you know? And I never thought, even when he told me this, I didn't comprehend that she wasn't coming home, that she was never, ever coming home with me. Um, I remember when she was lying in the bed on the life support machine and I said to the nurse, what's that 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 noise in between the breathing? And she said, that's Nicole trying to breathe. Oh my God. That's Nicole breathing herself. And so 
So that I kind of clung to that as well, yeah. but there was no hope. There was no hope at all. And um, I, I, I was rubbing her face and her hair and holding her hand. And I said to Cole, Cole, if you just open your eyes and say, yup, Jackers, are we going to Mackers? You know, that, that's, that's all I wanted her to say, you know, and but that never happened, you know. And um, on the Saturday morning, then, um, the, the Saturday morning, she was supposed to be going out the Saturday night, you know, and on that Saturday morning, um, the nurse uh, and Nicole's heartbeat start going erratic and her blood pressure. And um, the nurse said to me, that, that's time. And I knew what that meant. Um, I got up on the bed beside her and the last words, I only had about a minute or so, and the last words I said to her was, Nicole, just let go. Mm. And I said, no one is ever going to hurt you again. No one's ever going to be able to touch you again. And then I said, I love you, Coco Pops. And when when I said that then, um, she died. Uh, you still don't, it still doesn't even... It's raw. Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, do you know, it's, you still don't, you don't, you can never prepare what's coming in that year or the year after, you know, you can never prepare yourself for what what what's to happen, you know. So, um, How I remember uh, now. Yeah, um, Lee, Lee was when when we were in intensive when Nicole was in intensive care. Lee came in and Lee collapsed, and uh, he was taken to another part of the hospital. So Nicole was in ICU and Lee was in another part, and um, they sedated him. Um, he was in a bad way, you know. I mean, it's his sister, and he's fourteen. And and, and and walking into that hall is an image that will never, ever, ever go. I could tell you what way her hair fell out on her face, and like I can the detail. The, it's so vivid, you know. And and he just couldn't handle it. Now he got a psychiatrist came down that night in the hospital to him. And ever since he was seeing her then, and she was great with him. She, she's helped him along so much. Um, so I think, I think it was two days after, about two days after the main girl that I was telling you about, yeah. the jealous one, she put up on, on Facebook and said, um, oh, what's that? that's so sad. You know, if anyone's going through any bullying, you know, you can always come to me. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. And when I seen that, that sickened me so much. And then she was getting comments in, oh, I hope you're okay. And I, all right and all. And, and these were some of the people that... Harassed and were the, manipulated yeah. and physically abused yeah. your daughter. And it was like, it was like that they were knocking people off that it wasn't them, you know what I mean? That they really cared that it was someone else that did it, you know, and it sickened me so much. So I think it was the same day. I think it was two days after as well, or three. I I think it was two days after then. The guards came to me and said that um, it's not a criminal offence. Oh, by the way, when Nicole was getting physically bullied, I did go to the guards, but Nicole was over 18 and she had to make a statement. I couldn't do it for her and... And um, Nicole said, Mom, I can't do that because look what they're doing to me now already. Imagine being a rat as well and the guards going to their house, Mom, they'll kill me. And and that's why she didn't make a, a statement for the physical abuse. But the guards came to the house and, and said that what these people did online 
it wasn't a criminal offence, that there, there's no legislation in Ireland to protect um, people. I don't, you don't even have to be vulnerable people. You know, you could be the strongest level-headed person and people can still get into your head, whether they're attacking your family or or anything, you know, they can still drag the strongest people down if they want, you know, through, but there was no legislation, there was no law in Ireland, and Facebook came out in 2004, and I know they probably didn't realise that was going to get so big, or, uh, so big and explode into what, what social media is now, but they um, they never put in place anything to, to protect anyone from online abuse and the, the, the trolling and the threats, and so... Um, that crushed me as well you know i have all the evidence on my phone i have everything on my phone and and i think that's sickening that's just a way Uh, of her and then bullies trying number one they obviously got so scared because they knew what they had actually done i think probably anyone that's listening and even if you're a parent and you're listening today everyone should be fully aware about what their children post online and what their children do in WhatsApp groups and Snapchat groups. Because social media is too, you can do anything on social media, which is horrific to think. But to think that they caused your daughter to end her life is sickening. Yeah. And there was nothing you could do about it. Yeah, and I always say, Nicole didn't take her own life. They took it. They They took took her life from from her. And she didn't take her own life. Nobody, Nobody wants to die by suicide. Nobody wants to do that. It's just that I know Nicole just couldn't find a way to stay anymore. And um, nobody wants to end their lives like that. You know, it's just um, and some people say, oh, it's selfish. It's not selfish. No. When you're in when you're in that dark place and you can't see it, it is it is true what they say. It's like a, a tunnel vision when it's it's not the person's fault. It's what they just find that it's the only way they can get out of their pain. Um, as I said, Nicole was a happy child. She didn't, would never wanted, oh, what do you want to be? What, what do you want to do when you grow up? Take, take my life, do you know what I mean? No one wants, that's not what people aim to do. They, you know, they don't even, no one wants that. No one wants to take their own life. It's just, they can't find so a way to stay. They just, they, they want to stay, but they cannot find a way to stay. Um, and Nicole tried so hard to stay. Um, even if it was for me, um, she, she she tried so hard to stay. And um, one night, uh, I slept in Nicole's room um, for the, every night um, because I wanted to be closer to her stuff and her clothes and all, all, all her stuff in her room. And I just felt that I, I just wanted to be closer yeah. to her, you know. And one night, I, um, I wanted to go with her. I was very close to going with her and um, it was like me in the middle and I had my boys and my family here and Nicole was somewhere where she shouldn't have been she should have been here with her mum yeah and I just wanted to see her I just wanted to hold her and hug her tell her I love her I wanted to just feel her skin I wanted you know just the the need to see her was was you know so powerful yes, and and um, weirdly enough, um, I got a phone call from a cousin that I haven't heard from in, in, in a good few years. And I, I was like, oh, what is she ringing for? And I wasn't even going to answer, you know, and I was like, like, seriously. And, but I did answer. And what she told me in, in, in that phone call, it was the weirdest thing ever. 
but it changed my mind completely. And that made me decide, right, I either go with Nicole or I do something about it. And in that phone call, um, I decided, first of all, suicide is not the right answer. It's not. I'm, I'm glad I'm actually here talking to you today and that I didn't, I didn't, choose, I didn't, um, make that decision it's not it, it's 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 not the, the the right answer you know it's it's I can understand it but it's it's, it's not right. I'm glad I didn't make that decision and um, so I decided either go with Nicole or or make a different you know and um, do something about it and I chose to do something about it instead and um, I went to TDs I got made arrangements with TDs in the doll they weren't listening to me. I'm only five foot as well. I'm sure they were saying, the size of this one coming in, thinking that she can... Yeah, well, you're five foot I'm two. I'm five foot as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure they were just looking and saying, who is this, this little thing <laughs> trying to come in? And, and they, they weren't taking me serious. They were practically laughing, not, you know, sniggering, like saying, that's not going to happen, you know? And, and that made me more pissed off if you like yeah. it made me more determined then and I had um meetings outside uh I had um a protest outside Leinster House and I had a huge um march through Dublin City and everyone brought I think a pig bloom for coal oh and um, as well that day and uh hundreds came and and people on the streets actually applauded us because I had banners as well and then a lot of the, the shoppers start joining on at the end of the queues it was hundreds there and and the TDs still went great so what I did I said I need to get the Irish people behind me yeah. um, instead and if I get them behind me you know and make a bit of noise if they they might listen the Irish people were absolutely fantastic and um, do you know what when you really when you really need need them they do you know they get behind you and they shared everything I put up and um, you know they they supported me all the way then I started going to the radio and the tvs and newspapers and all and I had a great a great back and um, I had a, a page I still have um, a page on Facebook let's bring in Coco's Law and then um, they started to listen to me without going into loads of politics stuff in any way. Um, I had one huge meeting in um, in Leinster House and it was in the AV room. And in the AV room, maybe one TD might come, maybe four, maybe none. And I'm, I'm standing here behind a podium that is like that height to me. I could barely see over it. And there's all tiered seats. And next minute, the room started filling up with all these in suits, you know, all from Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and Labour. And I'm going... Oh good lord! How am I? What you know? The how, how am I supposed to? Get, yeah, how am I supposed to get into the, their hearts and their minds and 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 make a difference? But you know, I don't care. It wasn't me that day. And even even my friend that was with me, she said, "Who was that up there?" Uh, I know Nicole had to push me, um, because I I I could never in a million years do what I did up that day. And at the end of it, one of the politicians st- stood up and. And instead of um, working in, in separate parties, can we all work together? So long story short, I, I got in, co- in contact. I Meetings upon meetings, I wore myself down. I was physically right. drained, emotionally drained. I was still grieving I was, while I was campaigning. And, and oh, I was just, 
do you know what? I was in survival mode because I had something to focus on. I had a plan that I wanted and that was what was keeping me here. That's what was keeping me alive. Um, so I got it. I had a meeting with Brendan Howland from Labour and that was the game changer. He changed everything for me. But I said to him, there's two things I want is one, a law. So to protect victims and to protect families. So families also won't have to go through the pain of losing losing their, their, their loved one, you know. And I said, but the other thing I want is Nicole's legacy. I said, something has to be named after Nicole. Um, uh, Brendan just took me on straight away. He was absolutely fantastic. Things were dragging on. I got to stage three. The government broke up. Um, when when you don't have a government, all legislations go back to stage oh one. God. I was like devastated, but lucky enough, it, it shot back up to three again. Anyway, I had a petition um, on the Let's Bring Coco's Law page, and on the petition, I deliberately handed over the petition outside Leinster House in front of the media, in front of all the cameras, so they can say, oh, well, we didn't get this, we didn't get it or it's lost yeah. or something, you know. Um, March for Justice Ireland at this stage was behind me. They started to help me and they were fantastic. You know, they couldn't do enough for me. Um, and um, we got, we actually got Brendan Howland on the podium as well to speak in front of the, the media. So, um, but it, it was funny because when I handed in the petition, uh, I think... I have no concept of time anymore. It could have been a half an hour later or an hour later or whatever it was. I got a phone call from the Department of Justice to come up to them straight away that oh we have a meeting. Yeah, and it was like, you know, when you were younger in school and you were being sent to the principal yeah. and your stomach would just drop and you go, oh, I'm in trouble, you know. Yeah. But um, I went up and he said, right as we speak now, Coco's petition is going down to the conference centre oh and God. they're going to be talking about it. So I was like, wow. So long story short, all in between all the the, the the carry on of them, dealing with people in the government, even though it turned out good for me, they're the most annoying, <laughs> frustrating people you could ever work with and slow. I can imagine. They, they they get nothing done and you just you just want to shake them and say, like, just get the bloody thing in, you know? Yeah. And, but anyway, um, 10 days before... Uh, Coco's Law was coming in. At this stage, um, I was told I was allowed to call it Coco's Law. Brilliant. And everyone was calling it Coco's Law. And it was only known all over Ireland as Coco's Law, not, not the other big long name that they had for it. It was Coco's Law, you know. But then 10 days before that, um, Helen McEntee, uh, who's the minister now, she was only in minister in that October or something. And um, 10 days, she said, Coco, no. Coco's name's not going in anything and she was whipping everything out. And I actually heard that on Facebook. I was like, no way. No way. Well, that's not what I said. You can imagine what I said, but I, <laughs> I, I just, they can go and feck off yeah. if they think that they're doing that. So I rang straight away. I rang March for Justice. I rang an older few people. I rang Brendan Howland and I said, what? And, and he says, Jackie, I know she's not going to. So I sent a video and Helen McEntee was on Facebook and I sent her a, a, a heartwarming, straight out, face-to-face um, video. And I did say to her, if you do that, you are going to put that final nail in my coffin. It'll be you that will put that nail in my coffin, not anyone else. I said, if you do that and take Nicole's legacy away, 
from me after two years and 10 months at this stage of campaigning. So she said, can I ring you later? So I said, okay. But she didn't ring me later. Instead, she got the secretary to to arrange a meeting with me face to face. And I was like, okay. So she was in trouble at this stage during the week. I don't know why I forget what she did. And anyway, they were saying she's a nice queen and you know, um, she's had to break and stuff. And I was saying to Trevor and Wes Ryan and, and all the ones in Martha just how am I going to melt the ice queen, you know? And uh, so Finbar Markey and Trevor Conlon came in with me and there was a few outsides waiting for me as well. And I went in and what I did was she had announced that week that she was pregnant as well. So I sat in front of her and I put pictures in front of her. One was a baby scan where she is, where she was right now with a baby um, in her belly. And I said, that was Nicole. And um, that's my baby scan. And then another one was Nicole's christening. Another one was um, uh, Nicole's communion. But the last one is photograph that I've never seen and never, ever, ever want to see is Nicole in her coffin. And I said, that's from where she started to what these people did now. And I said, you're lucky enough when your baby's born, that you're going to be able to hold her him in his arms, give him all the hugs and kisses you want, tell him how much you love, love her him. I said, I can't do that to my baby girl anymore. Um, also, Helen McEntee's um, father died by suicide um, through online abuse two years mm-hmm. before that. Um, and we spoke about that and Helen McEntee actually burst into tears. She cried a number of times at the meeting and then when we came out, it was actually funny. It wasn't funny, but uh, I knew I broke her. I knew I knew I had her. I, you know, I knew I. But what the reason why I was laughing was because the baby scan that I brought in, I hadn't got a baby scan of Nicole. That was uh, of our brother Lee, <laughs> and I, I had to I pretend that that's Nicole's thing, you know. Um, and we were laughing at that, you know. But um, it was serious because at this stage we didn't think she was going to change. But to cut all what happened after that. Helen McEntee actually gave us more than what we thought we were ever going to get. Um, she was so caring, so understanding. She wasn't the ice queen. She's not an ice queen. She has a job to do, do you know? And mm. So what, what, what is, can I read out the memorandum? Of course you can. We would love that. Um, the, the, the name of the bill is the Harassment, Harmful Communication and Related Offence Bill. Coco's Law. Seriously, like... <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, everyone knew as Coco. Yeah. Now, Helen McEntee said when they're talking about this this bill that they're not going to refer as the long harassment or whatever, it's all going to be Coco's law. And you know, a fair play driver since then, it's only been Coco's okay. law. So in the bill, they gave Nicole a memorandum and it says, the content of this bill is strongly influenced by persons who have lost their lives because of online harmful communications, in particular, Nicole Fox. The bill is in recognition of her mother's determination to honour the memory of her daughter and to strengthen the law so that others could be safer. As a result, this bill can be referred to as Coco's Law. So that that's Nicole's legacy. Like she has a law. It's Coco's Law. It can be referred to as Coco's Law. It doesn't have to be referred to as. I have to keep looking at the name. The harassment, <laughs> communication. Like, like that's just way too long. Way no, too long. Everyone would just forget that. But no, it's it's legally referred to as Coco's Law. And then when President Higgins signed, the day President Higgins signed it, and um, it's it went into the Irish statute books which long after war gone and um, Coco's law will be will be there forever and ever 
in in hundreds of years to come once it's in the it's in the history books it's in the irish statue books so her name that her name will be in there forever so that's her legacy as well you know and um i know in dcu and some of the colleges um all of the colleges i think everyone it, coco's law is going to be on the curriculum where everyone will learn what coco's law is um, and webwise is also making a paperback book for every school and colleges um, on Coco's law. So um, yeah, she got she got I got the law, I got the legacy. Um, but you know what? I and I always say people say to me, "Oh, you should be proud of yourself and stuff." Like, no, I'm not prep. Like, proud of what? Uh, that law should have been in years ago. It, it should have, Jackie. It, it's it's yeah. actually sad you know, that a life had to be lost before that could be brought in. And many lives, because there was many lives taken before Nicole and after Nicole, you know, and I shouldn't have happened to, to do that. And I always wonder then if, if the law had been there, would I still have Nicole Whitney, you know? So uh, people say, oh, you, you know, you should be so proud. You know, it's a huge, huge, huge bittersweet moment because it's fantastic that the law is in and it will help so many and i've got so many comments messages of the guards taking it serious and, and doing something about that everything is coming back saying they're investigating it under coco's law that's fantastic um i have our legacy she her name i always said ma'am when she died i said i want to make sure she's never going to be forgotten she was too good of a person to be forgotten you know she was too she was just too innocent and and caring to be forgotten you know and so now she has a legacy legacy but for me um it doesn't change anything because i'll i'll still never get to to see her smiling or hear her voice i'll never get that you know feel her hugs i'll never get to hear her say night ma'am i love you you know and or are we going to mcdonald's you know anything i'll never get to hear her so uh, we have to live with without Nicole and desperate. The it must first be year. desperate. Oh, it's you know, there's no there's no words for the heartache. The first year when Nicole died, the first year was the easiest, if you like, because you're numb, you haven't got a clue what's going on. And then I I was focusing on the law, the law, the law. Do you know what I mean? So and it was the second year that you know that's what reality is that you're not going to see her again that this this is real i'll never until i die i'll never see nicole again you know and that's the hardest part to live with is is, is the missing her that's that's just so hard uh, the, the longing the longing to 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 even see her one more time mm. you know and then one one more time wouldn't be enough no you'd want to see her again do you know what i mean it's it's just yeah, I I since uh, moved from Dublin, and um, because the people that did this to Nicole lived in the surrounding areas. Um, you don't need before those we could. No, um, not only me, the boys. You know, yeah. I mean, we couldn't leave our house. I had to just get in the car, or go from a hall door into the car, and drive down to my mum's or whatever. We, because where we moved to was Cork Town, where our happy days were, where she was spent all the time on the beach. I live beside the beach now um, oh with full of 
so many happy memories and I have a bench in Court Town if any anyone from Limerick decides to yeah. come down to Court Town <laughs> uh, go on to the, the bench the bench is facing the sea uh, I have our plaque on it Beautiful. and it's 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 a place where where I go you know and, and a lot of people actually go and send me photographs with them on and saying that it's a nice it's a beautiful little spot just for their own thinking yeah. I didn't I didn't bury Nicole in 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 a grave and um, because uh because we were so close and she yeah. was my best friend I said to my mum that I I wasn't going I don't want to leave her up in a graveyard in the cold and the dark on her own and um, that wanted her with me so yeah we got her cremated and that's good though, at least you have her beside you. Close I have you. her right beside Aww. me. And I also have the bench as well to yeah. to go down as well. So and I'm glad because if I'd have buried her up in Dublin and now I'm living in Wexford, sure. No. I'd probably spend all the time up in you know, so I, I have her with me and I'll always have her with me. You will, yeah. Jackie, you'll always have her with you. And I know you said earlier on like that, you know, everyone says you should be proud of yourself, but like honest to God, what you've done for many numerous families around Ireland and yet to come is phenomenal because the torture that your daughter went through, hopefully no one ever has to experience that again. Yeah. And it's a huge penalty. It's not only, the law isn't only online abuse um, that Nicole got. It's also the, the revenge porn. Mm. Um, there's a lot of things with, with putting the, the images up and a lot of people are getting blackmailed yeah. um, over those images. You know, if you don't give me whatever, whatever, we're going to put these up. And that wasn't a criminal offence either, but that's also in, in Coco's law as well. Um, that's... Uh, I, they were saying seven and a half up to you can get up to seven and a half years uh, for that as well and um, so there's a, there's a few things in the law it's not only and um, it protects people in the workplace as well yeah. you know who are getting bullied it's it's and Nicole was 18 when this started and um, the main girl that I was telling you about um she was a tree so the, these were adults and another two girls that that actually pretended to be Nicole's friends um, when Nicole was getting ready and getting, they were up in their room with her and they they stuck the curling tongs to Nicole's skin and kept it there and gave her, but each of them had a child already. They had a little boy and the other one had a little girl. So they were mothers. So these aren't, Kids. do you know the way I say she was bullied? She, like bullied is a real playground board. It's a mm -hmm. real schoolyard board, I think. Now it's way beyond bullying. It's torture and torment and um, that that goes that far that they they just can't see past another day any remorse from them jackie any like uh, nothing nothing at all um no no nothing at all i haven't i haven't seen or heard of them i know the ones that did it i know their families and their families are quite decent do you know what i mean they're not these people aren't from horrible families or families that don't care the main the, the boy that i was telling you and the cold friend i was actually good friends with his mum, uh, all his, his family. Um, I don't blame blame the mum or whatever. She She's never come to me either. Um, what did she, embarrassed or ashamed? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't want any of them coming to no. me. I don't. And will I ever forgive them? Absolutely. Could never. A million percent wouldn't even enter my head. I will never forgive them for, for killing my child. And that's what they did. I'll never forgive them. How could you ever? How could you ever? No. But I think it's important that people 
and I think anyone that listens to this podcast today won't there be no dry eyes because it's important that people understand and really feel for how your family have suffered from online bullying and torment your daughter and face. still still suffering because do you know what actually it, I didn't only lose my daughter and the boys lost their sister my mom and dad lost their grandchilds and then their cousins and it's it's a it's a yeah it's a a whole we're all we can't even do christmas anymore without cold because she's not there and i I don't go to any um any family events i haven't been out in three years the only reason why i go out is to campaign for for coco's law was right that's done now when when coco's law came in i just crashed i had no immune system i was sick so sick for weeks and everything just hit me and it's so hard to go to anything and and smile again, but I know I will Eventually. have to. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know Nicole would want that. You know, she won't want to see me like this. It's just, yeah, getting yourself together again and 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 try to. I, I, as I said at the start as well, I'm in a hug group. Yes. Um, yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. And um, hug and hate you, right? And. Um, that's a group that I went to at the start when I lost Nicole because I didn't know where else to turn. And it's a group um, full of bereaved people that have lost people to suicide only. And, um, you know, the other groups, there's a lot of groups that have lost people to, you know, their kids to cancer or road traffic accidents and stuff like that. But this is true suicide only. Not only their kids, you can lose any, your partner, whatever. And um, I was a participant in that. So, during my campaign and having my grief, I suppose, I, um, I trained to be a facilitator um, in HUG. Um, I did all, all the stuff. I got all my, my certificates and whatever and ever. And so I'm a fully trained facilitator now. And I train a, a group in Tallinn myself and this other girl, Grace, and um, have our own group running a HUG group in Tallinn. But what we're doing is we're opening a HUG group in every county um, for someone who is bereaved by suicide. Um, we're in Galway, um, Cork, Kerry, Waterford is opening. We've three in Dublin, but we now have one opened. It, now, it's it, it's in Limerick, but because the hotels aren't opened, okay. we have to do it on Zoom. Yeah. Um, it, it's a lot of people that are joining won't know any different mm-hmm. doing it on Zoom, but... but having real life meetings in back in the hotels when we do it is so much it, it's mm, it's the face-to-face it, interaction yeah you know you can feel the energy but um at the moment it's on zoom it still works great um yeah it's it's in limerick um the everyone is breathe through by suicide the even the facilitators so everyone understands it's the most safe Please. confidential and um, non-judgmental group that you can get into um, and if anyone wants to or, or, or needs to um, feel that they need to be in this group for help um, you just go to hug.ie it's hugg.ie and you just fill out a form and it'll come back to come back to us then and we'll we'll sort you out in, yeah. in the group I'll share those details on the episode on the description of this podcast but it's also helpful for us to know as well as suicide prevention uh, group in Limerick I actually wasn't aware of it so it's brilliant that we know that as well because we often yeah. encounter people who have been um have been in- encountered suicide and don't know how to deal with it the emotions yeah. after it so this group yeah. is very beneficial and fair play to you 
because you're making a change and it's important that the stigma around suicide and mental health ends because it's important yeah. that people understand the aftermath of it. Jackie, oh yeah, it's just thank you. It is. So no, thank much. you. And I can guarantee all our listeners are going to be so touched by your story. But I hope people learn from from this episode today. And thanks so much for taking the time to speak to me today. Thank you for for giving me the chance to to share Nicole's story with you. You're very and well done on all the work that you do as well. I have you on my page as well. I have I follow you as well. So, so well done on everything you do. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks for listening to Limerick Treaty Suicide Prevention's Life is for Living podcast. If you wish to catch us on social media, you will find us at Treaty Suicide Prevention over on Instagram and Facebook. We're going to leave you with this episode by closing it with It's okay not to be okay and help is out there. You need to make the first move. We hope to see you on our next episode. Thanks for listening.